Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 232 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we're talking with Haley Batten in her first year, first year as an elite athlete for cross-country mountain bike. Haley has finished second at Nova Mesto, third at Alpstadt. She's won a short track race. She came in ninth in the Olympics, really one of the revelations of the XCO circuit this year. If you've been paying attention, you shouldn't be that surprised. Haley Batten has won uh, multiple national championships. She was a Pan Am champion as U23, was on podiums, I believe won a World Cup race as a U23 as well. So this this has really just been the, the, the culmination of what we've been seeing from Haley uh, for her whole career. And on top of all of that, she's like the nicest person in the world to talk to and, and really fun, has some great stories, and I don't want to waste any of, more of your time up top. Let's get to this conversation. If you are new to this show, if you saw Haley's name out there and want to listen to this interview, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. We cover mostly cyclocross, also mountain bike, but we have a whole breadth of shows on the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network, which Cyclocross Radio is part of. If you go to wideanglepodium.com, you can donate, you can become a member, you can support the shows on the network individually, and that would be huge for us and help us to continue to do what we do and offer all of you independent cycling media. All right, we're talking mountain biking from the World Cup to the Olympics. We got Haley Batten here, and we're doing that right now. Hey, Haley uh, Batten, it's really great to see you. Yeah, it's so great to talk to you as well, Bill. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, it's been a while. We have a lot to lot to chat about. You've had a pretty pretty amazing 2021. But I think yeah. that for people who listen to this show, you know, as much as it's called cyclocross radio, I think we've done a pretty good job in years past, and especially this year, covering mountain bike as well and talking about cool. you a lot on it. But I think that if people aren't familiar with you and uh, how you got started, maybe we can just do, do just a little little background. Like, like, for instance, it seems like, you know, just from school and places you've lived and everything else, like you are from everywhere. So there's <laughs> <laughs> a few places, I guess I'm based. Yeah. yeah it's so, hard to say I'm from, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe right. just, uh, you know, where you, where you started, even just getting into, into sports and then into, into cycling and how that, how that journey all started. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say like, I grew up in Park City, Utah. So I think that's, I was about, gosh, I mean, like, first grade so I think that's when I was doing sports before that with my family but I think that's when I started being to at that age where I could really get excited about something and I still did like a range of sports like Nordic skiing and gosh like softball and tennis a mix of things but I was always mountain biking and I think it was around like being 14 when I really got into it my dad um was doing local races in Utah and just the Utah mountain bike scene is just yeah amazing it was amazing when i was growing up and now it's just like taking off with nika which is also so cool to see um but yeah no i'm from park city utah i'd say and grew up there and then uh recently uh my family moved to California, so i've been based in santa cruz 
California for the past couple of years. And then I go to school in uh, Squamish, BC, Canada. So those are kind of my three spots that I'm based. When was it? I have a, were you, when did you start doing national championships for mountain biking? Yeah. So the first one that I went to was like first year junior, like 13, 14 Mm -hmm. category. So I think I was like 12 years old. And, um, yeah, I think that was the same year where I, I went to like my first sea otter classic, which was my first time racing out of state and, um, kind of seeing before that in Utah, I was racing a lot of guys and that was kind of my main group of friends and people, my competitors, but also just the people that I rode with. And so sea otter for me was the first time that I actually saw like girls that were really fast and that I was kind of, you know, chasing them down like, Oh, okay. Like this is, this is a sport. This is big. This is bigger than, you know, my group of friends at home. And, uh, so that year we went to sun Valley, Idaho with just a bunch of friends from Utah. And that was my first national championships. And I think I was like fourth or something. And then the next year we returned to Sun Valley and um, I won my first national championship title there uh, in 13, 14 category. So, yeah. Yeah. So success from the beginning, because I think I remember you went to when it was in Pennsylvania. Were you out there for those? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then following that, I think not, not long after I got in the whole athlete development team. And from there, I was just kind of racing the whole U.S. uh, Cup circuit in the U S which was kind of, gosh, there are so many races in like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and it was kind of, yeah, all over, which was really cool. And it was always mountain bikes. Did you ever dabble in any other kind of road bikes? I, I, I know you don't like running, so there wasn't much cyclocross. <laughs> no. Yeah, there wasn't, uh, you know, I actually did some cyclocross in Utah in the winter, but I was on my mountain bike and I had put like little tires on it and Oh, I tried. I wasn't ever like super good, but I had a blast and it was, it's always been kind of hard to balance with school just being in the winter. But, um, no, I actually never did any road racing or anything else. I was mostly just like, I just loved mountain biking so much. And I think I just loved the accessibility that it gave you to the mountains and just exploration and freedom. I loved that part of it and the, the adventure part, I think. And, um, I think the other sport at the time that I was really into was mostly Nordic skiing, cross country skiing. So I was doing kind of balancing those two sports mostly, um, instead of like a range of mountain bike or cycling disciplines. Yeah. I mentioned that I'm going to jump all over the place. So if you're looking for something sequential, it's just not (laughs) happening. Uh, because I love it. uh, I was thinking about the road racing and your success this year, you had a pretty good feel with the, with the short track racing, which is, mm-hmm. I think the most analogous, analogous thing that you get to, uh, racing on the road in mountain bike. And I was yes, thinking back sure. to your experience with Cliff doing the epic rides races and yep. the, and the fat tire crits, which if anybody knows anything about that, I think it's funny, even more and more these days, the fat tire crit where you're putting tires on your mountain bike that are probably skinnier than most people are riding on their road bikes but yet still called the fat tire crits but yeah, that's still like your big handlebars yeah. out it like, should be it should be wide actually. it should be wide handlebar crits that you should change the name it to totally, that yeah but did that experience because i know that in that team and you were getting um some some just some team tactics from katarina and other people on cliff or how to how to ride those races did that help at all in sort of transitioning into the, into the short track races? Yeah, I think for sure. 
especially like no doubt for me being part of the cliff pro team like yeah luna pro team cliff pro team during that time of me, me being on under 23 i think in general just i got so much i just learned so much from those athletes and that is just an opportunity i'm so grateful for yeah um but i think i think there are a couple of things one that the u.s cups in the u.s have short track races so i think i've just been doing that throughout racing under 23 and elite races in the u.s so i think that experience because I was really bad at first. It is such a tactical thing that I just wasn't used to not racing road. And then for sure, like the crit races, I think, I think, gosh, I did the one in whiskey and I, there's just, you can, it just, every moment matters so much. And in mountain biking, you can kind of get away with some things. And so it, it really is a full mindset shift when you race in such a short tactical event, that's at high speeds. And when a lot of people can, survive a 20 minute race you know everybody's in the game so it just it is it is really exciting and cool um but no doubt like having their experience katarina Catherine, um and just yeah valdeck and the people behind the scenes i think you can learn so much in such a short race and you can get feedback right away after so even just going from the whiskey race to the carson city race where i ended up winning there it, I think I just, you can learn so much when you get experience like that and you actually get to race those events because they really are different from cross country. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think that was actually not to, not to harp on that whiskey race, but I think it was, you know, in, in retrospect, kind of funny. Cause it was, it was, you oh, could yeah. see that teaching moment happen. Like Chloe Woodruff went oh, out yeah. the front and you were like, Oh, this looks like fun. And just sort of took <laughs> off after her. And I know that your and teammates exploded. Yeah, and your teammates were in the back going, the back. no, Haley, don't. <laughs> and even in Carson City, like I kind of made a same, a similar move where you just get excited. You know, you like the pace slows down and you get just like a little antsy. And that's, that is, you just have to be so patient in those races. And Catherine at one point was like, Haley, stop, like get behind me. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, you're right. Like, it took me, it's taken me a lot to, and even in the world's cups, like I won one, but it's like, you really can't make any mistakes and you have to know the course and you have to be reading your competitors and every moment counts. So I think that's why it's so cool to watch. And it's so cool to race is there's, you know, low pressure for everybody and you can kind of just take chances and see what happens. Yeah. I, I love it. I think that people are skeptical about that coming in when it first happened yeah 2018 or whatever it was but now just it's it's such a it's such a great a great piece to the to the world cup weekend i want to you, you mentioned yeah you mentioned uh racing with cliff how old were you when you first started with luna i think i was about 18 so it was actually my final year in the junior category that i was with them and when i was racing um in the junior category i still traveled with usa cycling to the world's cups and stuff but i raced with them at all the u.s events and then uh from there on yeah throughout my under 23 career i was with cliff and that you know it's it's kind of uh a little bit sad since that program is is ending and just the the long reign of you know for at least the first close to 20 years of it being this all women's uh, world cup team, which you know, was, there are more out there now, but truly the, the yeah. longest ever to do that, that had to be a, a great place to kind of grow up as, as a mountain biker and, and figure out what to do with all, all of the people and all of the experience that were on that team. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's kind of hard to put into words really, because I think 
it was, yeah, like at such a young age, I was just hanging out with the legends of the sport. Like seriously, the Luna, the Luna chicks was like the team every girl wanted to be on. And they were dominating not only the U.S. races, but then they'd go like do one, two, three at the World's Cups. So it was like the longest running, most badass group of women. And I think just being surrounded by that was so special. And I learned so much. And um, I think I just realized they were human too, you know, like they were my friends, not only you know, not only you know, I, I wasn't racing against them, so they weren't my competitors, but I saw um, what they were capable of and just how human that was and how that is possible. And, um, and just the whole way they just were so open to giving me advice and, and uh, they were, yeah, they're the, the kindest, coolest people out there really. And I think also I just saw what a good teammate is and that's been probably the mo- the best example that I can have moving forward. Like those women were all competitors racing at the top of the world, but they respected each other on and off the course. And I think that's something that um, I think we see a lot of team teams right now in the world's cup, which is mostly like a male team with like, like one female. And I think it's just so important to realize that women can be on the team together too, and they can respect each other and have a really good environment. And I think that was just one of the best in- yeah things that I could have could have learned being on that team one thing that i appreciated having spent time with other world cup mountain bike teams is is that camaraderie and that looseness i think there was um yeah uh, on the, the the sort of european i think mold is that you go do your training you come back mm-hmm. you go to your room you disappear you come out you might mm-hmm. eat a meal you disappear again and then you know you see the riders the next day that really wasn't the, yeah. the the case with luna and then cliff i, I think that y'all really uh were able to be serious competitors yet also have more of a human side and, and just kind of hang out yes. and have fun at the same time absolutely and all of them were doing really cool things off the bike as well so they were i mean i think there's a lot of ways to achieve success and i think i saw that they were all they all had such different pathways to do that and I think, yeah, we could have like breakfast together in the morning, like go out for breakfast before the short track and just have a great time at a cafe and then, you know, go show up and then win the short track. So it's like, yeah, it was really cool. And I think it's just, yeah, you had great conversations and it was really lively and fun, but also they took it seriously when it counted. So no, I think I, yeah, I really learned so much. I'm grateful. And at that time, just between juniors and I think really I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think it's really U23 that you started, at least at the World Cup level, to to see that that success. And yeah, for sure, it's always interesting going back and looking at riders then and seeing where the people who you were battling against in those races are still kind of the ones that you are. You're growing up together in the sport. And I, for me, at least, mm-hmm. it's neat to see this new crop, you know, that you're part of, of these sort of young guns out there on the women's side who are, are really tearing it up. But going back to that U23 races, I mean, that's those were some super competitive fields that had to more than prepare you for what you're racing now at the elite level. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely taken me time, like through my junior junior years into throughout under 23 to just really grow and learn. And it's definitely, yeah, it's taken, I think, and it is cool because we're seeing all these girls that I've grown up racing and now they're kind of, they've shown success at different times. So there really is, again, just different pathways to get to the top and it takes different timelines, but for sure, like no doubt 
under 23 from start to finish, like my first year under 23, all the way to like jumping into elite, like it's full on. It's no joke. Like you have, I mean, let's see the year that I, the, the year before I became under 23, Jenny had just won the world championships, you know, and then I come in and it's like Kate and Cena and Evie Richards that are battling for the overall. And now, you know, like Evie's won, uh, she's on the podium at world's cup. She's won short tracks. Kate obviously is a dominant force and, um, yeah. All, and Cena just got silver at the Olympics. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's no joke. And then my final year, I mean, Loana got on the podium at worlds. She's now super successful. So I think that, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not as dense of a field, but it's you have to be doing some solid lap times and you have to be really strong, both technically and physically to perform at those races. And I think it prepares you really well to jump into the elite ranks for sure. What do you think the hardest part about the going? I don't even know if it's U23 to elites, maybe even it's junior to U23. I, I feel like with a lot and maybe you, you fell into this and you again I'm, i don't want to like analyze your racing but it seemed like yeah. it seemed like what's really hard and we see it in cyclocross too where you have a 60 minute race and you have people coming from uh racing lower categories where they're racing or for the women it's 50 minutes and they're racing maybe 35 minutes it's it's that yeah. like those last laps or that that extra 15 minutes that's sort of tagged onto the race that seems like the the younger riders who can adapt to that that makes all the difference as opposed to the, the more veteran riders who are like, okay, we know what's coming, you know, psychologically, I'm sure it's like the hardest part of the race and, and just being able to, to deal with that. Did you feel like that was, that was part of growing into an elite racer? Yeah, I think for sure. You definitely have to change your style of training and being prepared for that last lap because you really can't like if anything, you need to be full on like start to finish. And if you fade at all, you're going to lose like, because of how stacked the fields are, you're going to lose a lot of places. And I think you kind of see that the relay is such a good example. Like the world championships relay is such a good example of that because the juniors can pull out these really fast, like single laps. So they're really strong for the time of their racing, um, which is short, fast. And then you'll kind of see that in like Europe, they have, you know, not a world's cup race, but just whatever their local races are, they'll often start, the elite field and then maybe a minute or two and then the under 23 field and then another minute or two and then the junior and i've seen juniors like laura steiger and then mona like go all the way through the full field but then like when they jump when so you're like oh my gosh this junior is gonna be crushing all the elites and they both of those girls have really shown to be very competitive but it still takes time to be able to do the full distance and elite so I think, yeah, I think even though you can have that high power for three laps, adding that fourth and then that fifth lap really does make a big difference. Is, is everybody kind of just looking over their shoulder uh, with uh, Mona and thinking, um, hmm, when she gets up to the elites, she's uh, yeah. she was impressive in that U23 field. For sure. No, no doubt. I think um, I think she'll be a force to be reckoned with, no doubt. I mean, it's definitely hard to, to say what's going to, what's going to, you can't really predict anybody's future or what their timeline will look like as we've talked about. But yeah, I think she looks really strong. She's having an incredible under 23 season and yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> but honestly, like I went for a, a ride with some juniors in a squam, like just the local team Squamish. Uh, yeah. Group of juniors that are cross country riders there. 
And I was like, man, I just, their skills were so good and they were just so talented. I was like, okay, this is a reminder for me. Like I need to keep up and like, they're going to be coming like soon, you know? And I think I realized that as well, just being on a team with like Leah and Catherine, when you're younger, you look up to them and you're gosh, you're like, I'll never be there, but it comes quicker than I think you realize. So I was like, okay, it's just a reminder that the young guns are going to be there and they're going to be there fast for sure. I know you're no longer the kid. It's got to be strange. It's been so long. (laughs) Not anymore. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Talking about, uh, uh, moving up, up to sort of that new, that, that, that next level. And, And you did go through that with changing teams now on this Trinity squad, Mm -hmm. which is something that looking at it from the outside and just a little bit of the understanding, I think is a, such a great model for, for a team in that you all, all have big ambitions. You've already proven yourself at, at the elite level. You have a national crit champion on your team as well I know. how cool is that <laughs> Chris, he crushed it he did it was amazing and nobody knew who he was it was great it was and uh you know, that was so cool and blevins is you know had a had a spectacular year as well but it's something where i think at least it looks like you all are a little bit shielded from specialized factory and really given the opportunity to to do exactly what y'all are doing, you know, as a team, as to, 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 to continue to develop, even though you're racing at a high level already and just sort of set your goals really high with maybe not the same pressure that you would be if you were just stuck out there, you know, with a, as you were saying, you know, one guy, one woman, and, and that's your team. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. And I think more than anything, it allows a lot of creative freedom where we can kind of design our own, you know, internal vibe that we want, or just, you know, also creating a different way and approach to racing and training where we kind of get input from, I mean, the team's background is in cyclocross and road. So for me, it's not this mountain bike bubble that I think we can really get caught up in often where it's, you train one way, you perform at these races, you know, and this is kind of the, the timeline for it all. But it definitely like made me back up and get a totally different perspective and input from people that aren't stuck in the mountain bike bubble. And I think, um, I mean, just Tom winning the Olympics is a great example of that, where his approach to the races is so different and unique. And I think that has been really beneficial for me. And yeah, just made me take a step back and want to approach things a little bit differently and um, just mix it up a little bit. Yeah, so Tom Pitcock was... Trinity started with him. Does he, does he mm-hmm. have any part in it anymore? I mean, now he's, you know, we all know he's on Ineos, but it's still, is there still a connection there with, with this team? Um, I mean, a little bit like we had, he was where our, the physio that works with him um, was working with us for a little bit. So I think it's still designed around, I mean, his goal as well was, well, I can't speak for him, but it was also to create an environment that that worked for him that made him happy to be successful. And I think that outline has really continued to, for me and Christopher and Kiara and Alex is to create an environment that the athlete actually wants to be in and wants to. And I think that that joy and that excitement just about racing itself can get an athlete so far. And if a, if a team takes that away from an athlete, I think that it long-term, it just doesn't, 
you won't see the results that you think you will. And I think I learned that from Cliff and I think Trinity is really continuing that as well. Uh, where, yeah, you just, you want to have a happy environment and yeah, t- Tom is definitely around a bit just cause it's still connected in a way, but I think he's off, off on his own adventure now. Oh yeah, for sure. And it is, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty cool adventure. <laughs> Taken uh, off. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's really cool. But that, and I, I like that. And I like also that it is multidiscipline as we're saying, you're going to crit racer in there, a mountain biker, um, you know, Cameron Mason's out there. Hopefully we'll be racing cyclocross again. So, you yeah. know, as much as I joked about it before, maybe we'll be able to convince you to get in there at some point, especially when, no, you're I actually really want to. And, um, Trinity, is such a great opportunity where in cyclocross you kind of do need support. Like you need the bikes, you need the, you know, you need to, you can't really do just like hop into one. Um, so I think that, yeah, we'll see, but I'm definitely looking at the calendar a bit and seeing if I can, if I can mix it up a little bit and maybe hop in there and just having the support in, of Trinity and the, uh, their advice will also help a lot. If I need my own like personal skills camp to get started, but no, that'd be really cool. Sort of jumping back to, what we were talking about with, with the racing itself mm-hmm. and, and even that, you know, the, the, the discussion we we're having on that last lap, just looking back on it, uh, some of your successes from this year, I think that, that growth really, really show, you know, the thing about like Nova Mesto th- that mm-hmm. you was, if uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, you and Beck McConnell, right? Was that the race that y'all were battling in the last lap? Yeah, were able exactly. Overtake her. And that's, yeah. What is it you you've you've won races you've been in those positions you've won national championships it's like it's not new to you but at the same time just it's still on the elite level so yeah what what's your headspace when you're not only coming into that race but then seeing yourself kind of having this success and then even getting stronger in the in the finishing stretches of the of the race you know how are you what's what is what is your training telling you what are you going through yeah. what's what what made it possible <laughs> for that podium finish yeah, I mean, I think so many things lined up in a way that allowed me to be at that level when I needed to be at that level. And I mean, I think just, yeah, 2020 was absolute chaos, but it also was a season that I learned so much. It kind of created this mix up where I was able to do races, but it was kind of that just that year where nobody really knew what was going on. So I could have a crazy race or a bad race and then learn so quickly and move on to the next one. And, um, and then I wasn't able to go to school. I took a lot of classes online. So I was based in Santa Cruz. I got a lot of miles in outside. I kind of focused my, my year on, okay, I want to qualify for the Olympics. I want to go to for the Olympics. So I'm going to take time off school and focus on that. So I think again, just like being able to go the distance, you need to go that distance in training. So I just definitely, we upped the hours, we upped the miles. And, um, I think I got a really good base that helped me to do that. And then, um, I think also going into those World Cups, I didn't know what I was capable of. So I didn't go out like, okay, I have to win this race. I, I want to get on a podium. Like I have to get top eight to meet the qualification. I was like, okay, we'll see. Like, let's see what I can do. And I, I'll race my race. Like, I just want to have a race that I'm proud of at the end. And so, I mean, Albshot's such a good example where I like kind of after the first lap, I don't even know, top 20 somewhere. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, this is great. Like first year uh, elite, yeah, I'm all right. I'm in the top 20. Let's see what I can do. And then at some point I was in the top eight and I was like, okay, great. Like if I can do this at all shot, maybe I can do this at Nova Meso and qualify for the Olympics, you know? 
And so I was racing my own race. And I think that's what's so important at the elite level is it's really easy to get caught up in some like Loana's pace is really high and it's really strong from start to finish. And I tried that at Leo gang and absolutely exploded. So like, I can't quite do that yet. Um, so I think those first two races, I just raced them. Like my body was capable of doing that. And, um, and might race my way forward, which is always a really good feeling too, to kind of pick people off is not only motivating, but it also, yeah, it definitely helps like, just like put the gas on. So no, I think just a lot of things lined up and I learned a lot just from, from, yeah, from under 23 into the elites and having, yeah, everything just kind of lined up perfectly for me. I think you talk about 2020 being a crazy year and even, even that Olympics, push so yeah in 2020 you're still doing u23 races at the world Mm -hmm. cup level and we know that kate had already auto qualified for the olympics so she was in yeah and then just the Mm -hmm. cumulative u.s women's consistency and, and results meant that second ranked nation three spots for for the Olympics. So there are two, two open spots there. And, you know, we saw the stories that was sort of cool. Everybody was kind of banding together to work towards, towards these remaining spots, but you knew that Nova Mesto was the race, right? That's the, that yeah. was the, the qualifying race. So for sure, I guess on kind of a technical looking at this, as you're putting your training plan and your racing plan together, the ultimate goal is the Olympics, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, to get there, you have to qualify first. So it's yes. sort of a game in how do you do that? Where do you peak? So I'm, I'm assuming, was, was it like the, the A races? Was it the top races to be for those, you know, Alpshot and then ultimately for Nova Mesto? And then you just sort of like, we'll worry about the Olympics if that happens. Is that how you have to approach it? Or are you, do you have that confidence? You're like, Hey, I got to keep in my back of mind. I might be at the Olympics. I still have to be good mm-hmm. there. What's the point of making it to the team? If you know, you're already done for the season. Cooked by yeah. The, yeah, absolutely. No, that's a fine balance for sure. And I think I'm really, my coach is Kristen Armstrong. So she has a lot of Olympic experience. And I think that definitely helped me a lot. And just in that planning where you do, when you, when you have a year and you need to focus on one event, it's really challenging to be able to perform at that one event, especially something like the Olympics where everybody's been training for four, four years, you know, for that, they're peaking for that. They're going to be their best at that race and they're highly motivated. So it, it definitely, I think for me, it's, pros and cons too. Okay. I have to qualify. I need to definitely need to do a, an early peak. So that was our focus for sure. Like, okay, I, I need to know what the criteria is. I, I, we've spent a lot of time just analyzing that, making sure that I was ready for that because it is at that, at that level, it's not just how fit you are. We're all super fit. It's kind of really digging into those details and making sure you know what it takes to, to meet criteria and perform at the events that count. And so that was definitely our focus and making sure that I could prove that I belonged there. I, uh, I think that's especially when it can be so political. I think it, it, that was definitely one of my goals is I wanted to meet your criteria or do the best that I could to show that I belonged there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, I think Kristen did a great job and like, I was able to come back around for the Olympics and I had a, a result that I was proud of, but I think, um, 
yeah, it's hard to say like the athletes that were able to qualify in advance. Yeah. You don't really know then, you know, all eyes are on one event and you can do, you can do everything that you can to perform there, but there's pros and cons to that as well, where it's, it's, it's definitely easy to be too focused on something and um, the pressure becomes too high and then kind of you crack. So there's a fine line of that, like mental, physical, yeah, way to perform at such a big event. Yeah. And I think that I, I love it when, when you're talking about that in that, because you know, we, we deal with this in every sport, just with the, the criteria as an athlete, you, you have to know yeah. what it, what it takes to, to make a team and being, being in the objective rather than being somewhere in that gray, possibly subjective area yeah. has to be so key. And I don't, we don't have yeah. to rehash everything that happened with no, Chloe no. and Aaron. And, you know, I, I know you've raced with both of them and for for years and and everybody's just a wonderful person in this and the whole thing just yeah. just sucked i mean it was just a, a yeah. horrible situation nobody deserves through. yeah it's crazy especially when like something is pushed from 2020 right. farther like you've just met like the just getting the spots the races and everybody's performed like you could really create a story from anybody like for leah chloe aaron like they all had such great stories and they were they've performed at big events all of them so it is it's just crazy and that's i think this olympics as well it just everything about it is unpredictable chaotic and it's just it's how it is <laughs> it's crazy so when you're racing you're in nova masto you're coming in for those kind of those final couple laps at what point if any during that race were you like holy crap, I'm going to the Olympics. Did that hit you at all during, or was it just after, or what was, what was the realization? Yeah, no, it, it actually, it's so weird, but it, it took me a really long time. Even like, I hadn't been thinking about it at all. I just, I think I just, I think I also knew that after Albstadt, I had a pretty good chance. So at Nove Mesto, and after, yeah, performing in the short track as well, I think I knew like I had a good case, if anything, and that I just needed to like do my best in this race again. And that was the other cool thing about those two races for me. It was a bunch of firsts. It was like, okay, first elite world's cup. All right. Now first like short track win. Okay. Now how can I kind of recuperate after that and, and see what, what I can do in that next race? So it's weird because I never thought about the Olympics, the entire race. And then when the, um, when one of the announcers or something or like they, they told me, okay, how does it feel to qualify for the Olympics? And I was like, I knew that I had qualified because I had met criteria and I had studied the criteria. Like I knew what it took to win, to like qualify. And I was still like, yeah, I think I met criteria, but I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> I, I think, like, I think that was on the Red Bull interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kristen after was like, Haley, you made the team like get that in your head like, you went and I think I was just so focused on those world's cups that I was kind of just taking it race by race and those were wins in themselves for me that um that was weird I didn't think about it at all <laughs> so weird what was the reaction you know we, we've already talked about the success that you've had at just coming through the ranks but at the same time I think that most of the people who follow the sport and especially in Europe, they're focused predominantly on the elite racers. So yeah, in a lot of people's eyes, especially who aren't 
American who may not follow mountain biking, you sort of mm-hmm. came out of nowhere, you know, for those, for those European yeah. races. What, what was, what was that like just dealing with that reaction, you know, in, at the races and just media wise, uh, after that happened? Yeah, no, it was actually, it was crazy. It, and it wasn't, and I think my perspective is, is like, it's a big deal, but mountain biking is also not quite a big deal, like compared to other sports. So I think that's kind of how I humble myself is maybe it's a lot of messages on Instagram, but I just try to remember I'm not actually getting that many messages because I know a lot of people that are probably getting millions, you know? So that's how I just like kind of tried to keep myself chill, but no doubt, like after the short track, I was, I would, I couldn't fall it. Like I still, I was still after those two elite short tracks, I was still really learning. Like they're so late there at like 5 PM. I still hadn't quite figured out how to sleep after them either. So I was like, I was on this like high of like, I just won this world's cup. I was getting tons of messages and I could not sleep. And so I was like, so tired. Um, even going into the cross country, like I woke up like, Oh no, like, I really want to perform, but I'm just so tired. And, you know, you're getting interviews, like photo shoots. There's like so much hype. And um, yeah, I don't know how I like quite wrapped around to have that performance because any day, like if I felt that tired, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm this is going to not be good. <laughs> so I think my body just was really strong and I was really ready for that race. Um, but it's definitely, it is definitely a different ball game for sure. Like under 23, if you win an under 23 race, it's just not quite the same thing as winning an elite race. And, um, it's fair. Like that's, I think that's valid. Elite race is really hard to win and hard to perform at. But I think that for sure, I just, I think I'm just, I haven't quite felt the pressure yet or the media pressure. It just hasn't quite gotten to me yet. And, uh, it hasn't quite affected me yet where I just, I think I'm just doing my thing and and on my journey and not really uh, letting other people's expectations or thoughts of what I should or should not achieve uh, affect me at all. That's, that's probably a, um, a healthy perspective to, to have on it. So after the, the short track success and then you qualify for the Olympics and then the Olympics themselves. I mean, come on. Just yeah. what a insane Olympic year and then having to get to Tokyo, deal with all of that. Um, and then mm-hmm. racing on that track. Did you do the, I can't remember. Did you do the test event? I did not know. So this was my first time like doing the full track walk, pre-riding, checking out Japan. That was, it was, it was really cool. Had you ever been to Japan before? No, I hadn't. No? I've never, okay. I had never been to Asia before. So it was full, full experience for me is, yeah, it was really cool because we traveled to Europe and you know, other like we've been to australia canada you know other countries but they're all you know kind of a similar culture in a way so it's cool to experience something so different and just we weren't we didn't get the full experience in japan but it was a little taste of it and i thought that was really special yeah it's interesting with the the european travel Mm -hmm. what i would explain they're they're like oh you you spent a lot of time in Europe at these races, but you're like, yeah, we're at a ski resort yeah. most of the time. <laughs> totally. It looks the, yeah. the ski resort in this country. looks pretty much like the ski <laughs> resort in that country. I, you know, I, I would love it if, you know, I had more time to go out and, and actually yeah, experience some of some other stuff. 
Uh, but it, and, and I think that that you know you, you had a great result, a top ten finish, the Olympics, mm-hmm. and but at the same time, it should be motivation to go go to the next Olympics and just so that you get that full experience. Hopefully, we're not in a pandemic still. <laughs> three years from now yeah. and uh um yeah and 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 to be able to to be able to enjoy it but that race the olympics mm-hmm. race looked excuse my language looked kind of like a shit show when, when we were going <laughs> into it especially especially we talked about that we we had a breakdown uh a, a couple weeks ago just about the race and just seeing it and that little rock section after the after the start loop into it just looked like a mess. What was what was yeah. your experience just going going through that early chaos? Yeah, so I knew going into that race that the start loop was crucial because the course itself is mostly single track with really steep climbs or really technical features going down. So like passing doesn't really happen and based on the test event the, the the field just blew apart the gaps were huge and like if you were in the front you kind of got away so i knew that star lap was really crucial but i was yeah i was just second row didn't quite have that like amazing start to get me in the front of the field and yeah then i was running on the rocks and then honestly the start loop was basically single track too so i was kind of stuck honestly and it was it was crazy so i think course wise the course was beautiful it was amazing it was definitely worthy of the olympics where it really highlighted that you needed strengths both uphill downhill you needed to be a full all-around mountain biker but the the star loop was definitely really tricky and i don't think it quite allowed for a battle in the front to take place where yeah i think the 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 gaps just got so big and um I think, yeah, like personally, I just got super stuck back there yeah. and that was just, yeah, I was, I had great final couple laps. So I moved up, I think from the race from like 15th to ninth. So I'm, ha- I'm happy with that. It's like a race that I'm really proud of. Um, and it didn't, it's not like so amazing that I'm like experiencing all this hype after the race, but it's not a result that I'm disappointed in. So I'm not definitely not in like a negative disappointment or anything like that so no it's it a very motivating result for me for sure yeah i mean I, I think that if you were even from fifth place down especially on that first big yeah. climb up, up those twisty parts you're almost standing still like waiting for the yeah, person in front sure. of you to, to to make it up there and you're off your bike and yeah it's it sort of yeah. e- even from a, a spectator's view it, it, it kind of stings because it takes away the battles that mm-hmm. you know you know are are possible on that course and yeah. on top of that, for the women's race, just how it's set up, I mean, I know it was the torrential downpours in the morning, but then it seemed like the way that the dirt set up for you all was almost easier to ride or faster to ride. You had more grip than the men did who were just kind of yeah, sliding all really over the place on that, on that dry yeah. crap. Um, no, it was funny. They were like, <laughs> to- they were changing the course the morning up. Right. So, we, yeah, we all went on, like, I, I usually don't do a pre-ride lap, like, before any World Cup, um, but it was so crazy. Like, I went out with Christopher. We did a full lap together. They had cha- they had taken out a lot of the A-lines, and I think not because they were not rideable, but the problem with them is that if you, because they're these big rock slabs, if you, if somebody rides or if you stop or if somebody in front of you crashes, then you actually can't walk down them. 
like the boulders like walking down are way scarier than riding down so i think that was the main problem like if there were any mistakes or if there was like any flipping like there would just be it would be even more chaos um but yeah no it's totally different it really was just like symbolic of 2020 and every everything but i agree like for me the dust was so loose and it would like it would be hard to follow riders and corners were totally blown out. I can't imagine like after the men's race as well, what it would, what it looked like. So I was, I was stoked that it rained. Like I was so glad and it did, it really did like dry up throughout the, throughout the race, which, which is like another interesting element of like what tires people chose and how they made their setups because it just, it was like a morning of choice and it went from like really slick and really crazy to all right like honestly really ideal conditions yeah i'm sure that you know you you had talked about that i think in one of those interviews when they were asking you about uh racing in the the rain and the mud and how that was you were like hey squamish this is uh yeah totally it was awesome (laughs) but that's also just how you have to approach it all like the olympics like yeah you get off the plane and you're waiting in like lines for covid that's just how it is and i'm grateful that so many people like i had just input from other people beforehand like get ready like everything at the olympics takes longer than you think it does and um no so many mentors like leah davison was just so incredible um she kind of just put her energy into just giving me just being the mentor she has been you know throughout my career and just yeah gave me so much input and was like get ready it's gonna be crazy you know so i think i just had and Kristen as well so no, I think I just went into it just having that mindset of you just have to go. You can't change how it is, you know, so you just have to kind of embrace it all and enjoy the experience. I've, the last my last question about the course, the the infamous the infamous disappearing and reappearing ramp. Yeah. My, my my take on that. I, I understand. I was talking to Simon Bernie. I understand why. Oh, they, yes, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Why yeah, why they yeah. put it back in for your race because it seemed like that the landing zone especially early in the morning was was pretty washed out but Mm -hmm. my take on it was once they put it back for your race it made it more dangerous and we we saw that with yolanda and pauline where pauline was kind of slow rolling it and yolanda was behind her ready to send it and had to you know grab a ton of brakes and sort of fell off the side and somehow saved it the ramp's not there everybody's going the same speed it's almost yeah you know it's almost safer in that but no that's tricky yeah my my okay this is my personal opinion i don't think the ramp should have ever been there i don't think it should have been there during practice i don't think it should have ever been there or because there was a beeline so in my opinion when you show up to a world's cup when you show up to the olympics your skill set's already there you've done all the work to be skilled physically strong mentally prepared so i think when you show up to an event like that you should i personally like to go all right i've done this before bam check done done with my pre-ride so i think that i don't think learning a feature at the olympics or at a world's cup is ever really the best move and i think when you put a something like that in it's just not necessary. Like the Olympics, it was a totally fine job. They built it really well. And I think it's almost better for people to be able to walk up and see, okay, is this something that my skill level is ready for or not? And then if not, just the beeline and like get your pre-ride done, like move forward. So I think it caused more conflict um, than necessary. And I think at, at that level, all the riders are so skilled where I just, yeah, I think it just caused more confusion. 
it brings up an interesting point. I have a, a part of our panel for our show that comes on, Michael uh, Bodingheimer, who is not really versed in mountain biking for the the first for all the World Cups. His question always is, it's pretty funny. He's always like, "So what's the difference between the A line and the B line?" <laughs> yeah. And if you look at like Nova Mesto and you look at what yeah, they had at Halmstad, there's. We're like, I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. It doesn't seem like we've had a track this year where there's been a distinctive, oh, you have to have some certain skills to go over this A line and you're going to get penalized to go on the B line. I don't know if you felt like this, but it seems like it's kind of like, oh, maybe the B line's faster this lap. I'm just going to go take it. It doesn't seem like there's that distinction like we've seen in the past in some of these tracks. Yeah, definitely. It really does depend on the course. Like sometimes the beeline is like, it slows you down so much that you're like, okay, I need to figure out a way to get down this a line for sure. But then at times, like, especially in the first lap or the start lap, sometimes there's so much traffic where the beeline is actually an advantage. Um, but I think, no, like that drop, for example, at Tokyo, like the beeline was way slower. Like yeah. it would have, it, but, but sometimes they're actually like all shot for me. The, the beeline that goes before the drop, like when the, you're yes, go, heading up before corner. the drop, I couldn't tell you yes. what the A line and the B line is. I think the A line is well, supposed to be the high line. Yes, it is. Yeah. The B line is like those sharp switchbacks that yeah. goes inside. Yeah. But I think it's harder, like yeah. especially so there, sometimes the B line is very challenging, but it just depends on your skill set and what you know, but usually the B line slows you down quite a bit. Um, but I just like the bigger, I, well, we'll see. I think the bigger features are sometimes more straightforward because they don't cause like crazy cornering or something that just takes you off track, but it depends. It depends. I think that was, that kind of played into what we saw with that big drop at Tokyo. And you looked at the, the landing and everything and you know, I'm not riding it. This is something that you can ride easily from the stuff that you've ridden. It didn't seem like it was that technical. It seemed like it was a pretty good landing you really just just had to you know nobody if you knew how to ride that kind of stuff it didn't seem like it was too big of a deal and then it yeah. just became this huge you know Vanderpool of course helped yeah. it by not knowing there wasn't a ramp there and that started for this whole mess sure. yeah. but yeah for sure like it was a worthy feature it was definitely not easy yeah but I think you're right I wasn't like trying to level... implicate this no 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 yeah easy. for sure but the <laughs> but I think the level of the the world's cup feel and the women's field is so high now where i mean yeah the the riding level is insane like it's really i think a lot of the women are very capable and um riding features that are way bigger than that than most of the courses so no it's it was yeah i agree so you've had some time off you're back in the u.s back in in california i'm assuming training how does it what's the turnaround now like you're going into world championships in a couple of weeks what's the what's the plan what's the calendar to look like until then and and how are you feeling for that yeah i'm actually super excited and motivated i think like you said my result at the olympics was kind of that result where i see a lot of room for growth i was kind of that position where I'm super motivated. It was, yeah, it was that perfect result that I'm proud of, but I'm not disappointed in it at all. Um, but I see that I want more and I think that that's possible. Um, so I came out of the Olympics in a really good mindset, just having embraced the whole experience and the whole thing was so special and incredible. It's hard to put words to it really. Um, but I definitely needed like some time to slow down a bit, like reset. 
but uh, no, I'm like full on back into training and, and going for worlds. And yeah, that's just a couple of weeks away. So I'll go to Croatia first for a week and then yeah, we have two more world cups after that to finish the season. So, but the last one in the U S which is also really cool. So no, I'm, I'm really motivated and excited for the rest of the season. And I kind of want to just, yeah, finish my elite season with some consistency and some more good results and yeah, we'll see what I can do. Yeah. That's going to be fun coming back. Finishing in snowshoe will be, will be yeah, awesome. Uh, I know for sure. Snowshoe for nationals, you win one and then flat the next year. Is that how that, that went? <laughs> Am I remembering yeah. that correctly? Yeah, uh, I won one. And then I actually, I, cra- that was, that was a great course. Like that was a technical course. Um, but I actually crashed pretty, like not, it wasn't a bad crash where I would have, like, I would have been up pretty quick. I just made a small mistake, but my DI2 like stuff unplugged. Oh, and no. then my, my like rear, gosh, I can't really, I think my rear derailleur went into like safety mode or something. So it doesn't, it doesn't shift. Um, I'm on SRAM now, so I don't quite remember like how the whole system works, but I was stuck in my, like my biggest, like the smallest. So my cadence was really high and, um, I had just, it was just really bad. Like I could not <laughs> figure out like how to shift. It was all stuck. And so I was stuck like that longest climb, just like a really high gear, which was fine. But then the whole bit like flat, rocky descent after that, I was also just not in the right gear, but luckily like it was, it took me a while to get to the feed zone, but then Chris from Cliff fixed it for me and I was, I was off again, but yeah. no, yeah, I won, I won one year and then just kind of had a, right. uh, just raised part, part of it single speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty funny. But now that's like, that's that just not another learning experience, you know, like it takes a lot to win and it can be something that you're in control of or something that you're not. And, um, I think, yeah, as an athlete, you have to realize and give respect to whoever does perform because that's all, that's all part of the game. I think the people that don't crash, the people that don't have mechanicals, the people that don't flat, it's, it's part of it. So, yeah, we're, we're coming up on, on, on an hour. Uh, but I, I do want to get your thoughts. If you have any, you may, you may not just looking at, I, I think we've seen a lot of positive progression in women's cycling overall with the, with the coverage and, and with prize money and, you know, it's, it's heading, heading in a, in the right direction, not there, but heading in the right direction is not even talking about that. Not even talking about the women's just this, the the sport of the whole, what, is there anything that you see that you're, you're like, um, would love to see change or is there any sort of points of frustration just in how mountain bike is now and how maybe you would see it ideally better? Hmm. That's a really interesting point. I think in, uh, I think in cross country mountain biking, you're right. Like we're doing a really good job where for a while, the, the women's racing was more exciting, I think than the men. So the views actually were, were quite high and people were really excited about that. And I think that's continued to grow, grow the sport and see that women are, you know, very marketable as well for, for bikes and for equipment and people are watching and it's, it's exciting in women's, in women's mountain biking. I think it, I think it really just comes to like even more of the like more enduro downhill side. I think that's probably where even more growth and, and I mean road as well. I think cross country is almost leading the charge. I think where I think there's a lot of respect even just in the mountain bike community. Um, and I think that's continuing to grow as well, where I've just had for sure. Amazing, amazing support, really good respect throughout my career. And I think 
just growing that. And I think maybe what I want to change is just more research and just realizing that the, that, um, women, if we can get more research in women's physiology for training and competition, whether that's menstrual cycle or just, yeah, how different our physiology is and more promoting research and education around that, I think we'll see the boundaries continue to be pushed in female cycling or in, in women's sport. And I think that's, that's what I'm excited about. Like I work with uh, fitter women, which is, yeah, they've been amazing nutritionists that have helped me just manage, you know, balance my menstrual cycle with training and realize, you know, how your hormones are fluctuating so much throughout, throughout your cycle. So I think once that edu- that education communication continues to go out um, for women around nutrition, both for menstrual cycle, but also to avoid like eating disorders and keeping balance and fueling your training, I think that will probably help and grow women's cycling um, the most. So I, I think I just, yeah, want more education and communication around those things. Well, Haley, it was awesome to talk to you and uh, good luck at world championships and the rest of the season and you know when you when you get to that point where you realize that mountain biking actually is huge in the world and the media requests just keep pouring in there just to you know remember us here and you know come back come back and chat uh, chat again absolutely bill i'd love to no thanks so much for having me and like i said before i wish i could ask you questions too because yeah we need to catch up so thanks so much Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.